message this morning comes from 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. That's when um, so chapter 2 begins with death of David, King David. And his son succeeded him. Yet, it was his kingdom began uh, with some difficulties. And that's what we are going to read uh, this morning and see how God firmly establishes David's kingdom, which is also connected, has something to do with Christ's kingdom, as we sang from Psalm 89. We'll read from verse, verse 10 to verse 46. So David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. The period that, period that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron. And in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years. Then Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingdom was firmly established. That was verse 12. Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. So she said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, Say it. And he said, You know that the kingdom was mine, and all Israel had set their expectations on me that I should reign. However, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. Now I ask one petition of you, do not deny me. And she said to him, Say it. Then he said, Please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abishag the sh- Shunammite as a wife. So Bathsheba said, Very well, I will speak for you to the king. Bathsheba therefore went to the king Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed down to her and sat down on his throne and a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand. Then she said, I desire one small petition of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, I ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. So she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah, your brother, as wife. And King Solomon answered and said to his mother, Now why do you ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother. For him and for Abiathar the priest, And for Joab, the son of Zariah, the king Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, May God do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah has has not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord lives, who has confirmed me and set me on the throne of David my father, and who has established a house for me, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down and he died. 
And to Abiathar the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth, to your own fields, for you are deserving of death. But I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David. And because you were afflicted every time, my father was afflicted. So Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord which, spoke, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. The news came to Joab, for Joab had defected to Adonijah, though he had not defected to Absalom. So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord, and he took hold of the horns of the altar. And King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go strike him down. So Benaiah went to the tabernacle of the Lord and said to him, Thus says the king, Come out. And he said, No, but I will die here. But Benaiah brought back the back word to the king, saying, Thus says Joab, and thus he answered me. Then the king said to him, Do as he has said, and strike him down and bury him, that you may take away from me and from the house of my father the innocent blood which Joab shed. So the Lord will return his blood on his head, because he struck down two men, two men more righteous and better than he, and killed them with the sword. Abner, the son of Ner, and commander of army of Israel, and Amasa, the son of Jether, the commander of the army of Judah. Though my father David did not know it, their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab, upon the head of his descendants forever. But upon David and his descendants, upon his house and his throne, there shall be peace forever from the Lord. So Buniah, the son of Jehoiada, went up to, and struck and killed him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. The king put Buniah, the son of Jehoiada, in his place over the army, and the king put Zadok, the priest, in the place of Abiathar. Then the king sent and called for Shimei, and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem, and dwell there. And do not go out from there anywhere. For it shall be on the day you go out and cross the brook Kidron. Know for certain that you shall surely die. Your blood shall be on your own head. And Shimei said to the king, The saying is good as my lord the king has said. So your servant will do. So Shimei dwelt in Jerusalem many days. Now it happened at the end of three years that two slaves were of Shimei ran away to Achish, the son of Machad, king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Look, your slaves are in Gath. So Shimei arose, saddled his donkey, and went to Achish at Gath to seek his slaves. And Shimei went and brought his slaves from Gath. And Solomon was told that Shimei had gone to Jerusalem to Gath and had come back. Then the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Do I not make you swear by the Lord and warn you, saying, Know for certain that on the day you go out and travel anywhere, you shall surely die. And you said to me, The word I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord and commandment that I gave you? 
The king said moreover to Shimei, "You know, as your heart acknowledges, all the wickedness that you did to my father David. Therefore, the Lord will return your wickedness on your own head. But King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established forever. The Lord, before the Lord, forever." So the king commanded the Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada. And he went out and struck him down. He died. Thus, the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. Beloved in the Lord, this passage was very long. The question is, why this particular story located in this particular place? Right at the beginning of the King Solomon's reign. Well, the clue is there's a repetition of the phrase saying, "His kingdom, thus the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon." And then, from verse twelve, uh, that appears for the first time. His kingdom was firmly established, and then last verse, verse 46. Again, thus the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. So we can understand that as verse 12, beginning, and the end, verse 46, as a, working as a bracket, and this is a unit. This is one unit, one story. And then in one story, there were uh, three characters, uh, namely, actually four characters. But three men executed: Adonijah, Joab, and Shimei. The story, at first glance, it may be seem, seen as a political struggle of, from Solomon's part. It seems like Solomon was just a callous, cold-blooded, and he's guilty of eliminating his political opponents. And indeed, it is. It, First Kings chapter two is mainly about power, power struggles. However, when we read this, we should not think this passage simply as power struggles between individuals, the new king versus uh, his enemies. We should be able to see this through uh, the lens of redemptive historical uh, perspective. That is. Through the lens of God's promise, that's why we sang from Psalm 89b, which is also uh, repeated in Second Samuel 7. Your throne shall be established forever. <clears throat> Solomon was crowned properly according to the God's promise when Solomon was born. Second uh, Samuel chapter 12, 24 says. Bathsheba bore a son after the first son died.、Uh, he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him, and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedadiah because of the Lord. So Jedadiah means beloved of the Lord. Solomon was loved by the Lord. So, although again it seems like Solomon was just. <coughs> Taking those three people down due due to the political reasons, 
and to a certain extent that, that, was, that is true. However, there's a something more. There's a something more in the story that Solomon's kingdom had to rise and his enemies had to fall. So if we extend that, the descendant, so therefore, the descendant of David, Solomon, can have a peace forever. The kingdom of David, kingdom of Solomon, later kingdom of Messiah, had to be firmly established, and anyone who opposed a kingdom should fall. So we have to understand in that line. So here are the theme and the points of the sermon. Solomon, he executes the three enemies and uh, to establish his kingdom. You see that Adonijah who desired pleasure. Second, Joab who desired power and he loves he loved violence. And the third point, Shimei who desired money. So chapter 1, um, chapter 2, and chapter 1 of 1 King begins with the word that David was old. Chapter 1 was about succession. Who would be the next king? Who is going to be the next king? Chapter 2 is about security of the kingdom. Now Solomon is on the throne is that kingdom going to last? Is that kingdom going to stand? Usually, uh, not usually, but often, uh, when in human history, when there's a powerful king, and when he dies, there's always danger of coup, or there's a danger of division. Ironically, that happened right after Solomon, didn't it? If you also can think of other examples like Alexander the Great, which was also recorded in the book of Daniel. After he died, the kingdom was divided into four uh, kingdoms. This happened many times in, in Asian countries like China and Japan. Will, kingdom, will the kingdom stand? That's what the chapter, war, chapter 2 is all about. And this question was answered twice in our passage, as I mentioned briefly. First in verse 12, his kingdom was firmly established. And then there are three uh, enemies mentioned. And then verse 46, thus the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. So, as I briefly mentioned, again, First Samuel 7 is key. The kingdom of David's son had to be established because God promised so. Why did God promise that? That has something to do with Jesus Christ. It shows us that God is faithful to keep his promise to the house of David. In other words, going against David, going against a kingdom, is going against a kingdom of God. So in this chapter, the way the promise came true was by swift execution of justice by eliminating all the enemies of Solomon. So the first chapter, chapter 1, begins with rebellion of one of the princes, David's eldest son, Adonijah. 
He announced himself before David died, himself that he would be a king. And the problem was he did not seek the approval of the leaders of God, such as King David himself and the priest, Zedok the priest, and Nathan the prophet. Adonijah gathered his own group, his own team. In that team, there was Joab, the general, Abiathar, the priest, and you can read all about that in 1 Kings chapter 1, 7, and 8. And he didn't invite Nathan, the prophet. He didn't invite Solomon either. And then David knew about it, and he quickly moved, and then asked the priest and Bathsheba to uh, get the Solomon on the throne right away. And before David died, he advised Solomon to execute uh, them, Joab and Shimei. And that's what Solomon does. So first person that he deals with is his own brother, Adonijah. Chapter 1, verse 5 says, Adonijah, son of Haggith, exalted himself. I'll be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen. He tried to crown himself uh, the king. He formed his own cabinet of, with his own men. Which means um, he played politics. Gathering people that he would be benefited from, he would agree with. And also at the same time isolating the men of God. Nathan and his brother Solomon. And he was a celebrating. And Adonijah heard that Solomon all of a sudden had become a king over Jerusalem. And he was afraid. Now everything was twisted. And then he had to flee to the tabernacle. And he was holding on, holding the horn of altar, begging for his life. And then Solomon graciously gave him a second chance. He said, if he proves himself worthy man, not one hair of him shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So Adonijah honored the king. Solomon told him to go home. But the next thing we know, he's back at the palace making ungodly requests to his mother because of his ungodly desire. There was a woman, Abishag, Shunammite. Uh, speaking of this woman, she was, she was given to David uh, when David was on his deathbed. And there was a problem. The problem of this request that Adonijah wanted, to, wanted Abishag to be his wife was that he was David's last concubine. And what was more serious about Adonijah's request was his attitude. So let's listen, let's read carefully what Adonijah said in verse 15. He said, uh, he, uh, remember again, how timely it is, his Mother's Day. Uh, he was speaking to his mother. You know that the kingdom was mine, and all Israel had set their expectations on me. I should reign. However, that didn't happen, and my brother became the king because it was his from the Lord. 
Now I ask one petition, do not deny me. So it seems like a small request. He is first mentioning about the kingdom. Kingdom was mine, but too bad it's not. Instead, I'm asking something, something very small. In return, I want that woman. Can, you can notice the sense of entitlement here. You know that the kingdom was mine, he said. You know it. Verse 16, I, now I ask one petition of you. Do not deny me. So Adonijah is acknowledging the kingship of Solomon, but you can see he's still a little bit bitter about it. He says one thing in his mouth, he honors the king, but he is still bitter about the past, and he demands some kind of compensation. One lesson that we can learn is that how easy it is for us to say is to take the same attitude living in the past. We demand something to make up what we have lost. I deserve this, I deserve that. And we try to take something that God does not want us to have. In this case, in Adonijah's case, his uh, sinful pleasure. So what Adonijah wanted to take was Abishag, the beautiful woman. She was the best-looking woman in the entire nation. And at David's deathbed, David's servants brought that woman to serve David as a concubine. When Adonijah saw her, he coveted her because she was beautiful. And not only that, Adonijah wanted the power that she represented Again, not only because Abishag was beautiful, there's something has to do with she was David's last concubine. Because in those days, it seems like sleeping with the king's wives was a way to claim the throne. For instance, Absalom, he, he tried the same thing. He tried when he tried to take the kingdom from his father David, Absalom pitched a tent on the top of the house. And the scripture says, Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Can you imagine what an ugly picture that was in the history of God's people? And Adonijah, who was the brother of Absalom, again, he, with his mouth, says one thing, I honor the king. But with his action, he doesn't. His ungodliness was revealed by his sexual desires. Of course, that was, has something to do with his sexual desires. So the wise king Solomon, he, he catches this. And Solomon rightly perceived that his brother's request was not only about the beautiful woman, which was already bad enough because she already she belongs to uh, his, his father, but it was a request. The request was a power play. So Adonijah got executed. Here's another lesson for us. For Adonijah, he should have known what to give up. And these days, many people refuse to give up the very thing that Adonijah refused to give up. 
it's very sometimes very awkward to talk about it, but I have to. A sexual sin. Sexual sin. It's everywhere everywhere these days. So one lesson that we can learn, a very important one. You see the Adonijah, previously he received the mercy from the king. Yet he still wants to pursue his own desires. He was forgiven, but he wouldn't, still wouldn't let go his sinful desires. At first, to begin with, it was his sinful desire to grab the power that made him to rebel against Solomon, or King David. Isn't it the same with us as we as Christians? We receive the mercy from Christ. He shed His blood for the forgiveness of our sin. And knowing this, we should know what to give up. We should not pursue the sinful desires. So indeed, it was Adonijah's grave mistake and he deserves to die. And he, he did die. At the same time, the Holy Spirit gives another lesson behind all these. The sense of entitlement that has something to do with actually it was Adonijah's fault, of course, but the Holy Spirit sharply reveals and sharply criticizes the previous king, King David. You see, his sense of entitlement has something to do with the failure from his father, David. Because chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Adonijah exalted himself, saying, I'll be king, and he prepared for himself chariot and horsemen, and fifty men run before him, big sense of entitlement. And verse 6, it says, His father and his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, Why have you done so? He was very good looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. His father, David, never rebuked him. Spoiled prince, good looking prince. Everyone loved him and he got anything that he wanted. The Holy Spirit criticized sharply the weakness of King David who failed to discipline his child. Is something for us to remember. Let's go to the second point. Joab who desired power and he loved violence. Now the king, wise king deals with um, two people. Joab, Joab the general and Abiathar the priest. Abiathar first, he was a priest. When Adonijah tried to seize the throne, the priest was with him. He was an opponent of the kingdom of God, an enemy of the Lord. Ironically, was also anointed to serve the Lord. And he deserved capital crime of treason, as Solomon said. But Solomon did not put him to death because he had offered sacred service to King David. There is something, we see something Interesting character of covenant. Covenant that extended not only to the person, but the children of a person. 
that we hear about that every week when minister reads the Ten Commandments. If you love me, the love is extended thousands of generations. And if you hate me, three generations and so on. So because of his service to his father, right? he remembers that he was afflicted along with the father. Right? He shows a mercy to Abiathar as well. So apparently, uh, he was banished instead of being executed. But actually, there's an interesting point that we know from 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 4, that he was restored to his priesthood. So apparently this banishment brought a good result, which means, we can read between lines, that this priest, Abiathar, he did genuinely repent. On the other hand, the general Joab, things didn't go well. He also sided with Adonijah, and when they heard Solomon became king, Joab did what Adonijah did, ran to the altar outside of the tabernacle. The altar was... The murderer, a murderer's last and only sanctuary. Why did he run to the tabernacle and holding the horn? Well, according to Exodus 29, 37, God said, There I will, in the tabernacle, there I will meet with the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. It was a holy place. And then there should be no shedding of uh, human blood. That's what Adonijah thought. No one, he thought no one would dare to kill a person at the same place where the Lord sanctified. And Joab probably had the same idea. So Solomon commanded Benaiah to strike Joab. Benaiah came and said, This is the command of the king. Come out. Joab refused. No, I'm, I'm going to die here. And probably his refusal cre- created a serious dilemma for Benaiah because he didn't want to uh, carry out an execution in the court of the Holy Tabernacle. He came back and gave a report to the king. And verse 31 is very, very important. Understand the whole passage here. Uh, Do as he says, Solomon said, strike him down and bury him that you take away from me, and notice this, from the house of my father, the innocent blood which Joab shed. The Lord will return his blood on his head, because he struck down two men, more righteous and better than he, and killed him with the sword. Abner, son of Ner, commander of the army of Israel, Amasa, son of Jether, the commander of the army of Judah. Though my father, David, did not know it. So, so Solomon is trying to draw a line between the sin of Joab and his father and the kingdom of his father. His desires of power, of violence, he was a violent man. He was guilty of shedding innocent blood. You see, previously, uh, Solomon's kingdom represents the messianic kingdom, the kingdom of Christ against Adonijah. By executing Adonijah, 
The king is proclaiming that his kingdom, again, which represents Christ's kingdom, should be free from sexual immorality. The same similar thing is happening here by executing, by drawing line between sin of Joab and the kingdom. Joab, who loved violence and political power, Solomon is proclaiming that his kingdom has nothing to do with bloodthirsty men and his violence and his guilt. That's what it says in verse 33. The blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and head of his descendants forever. But upon David and his descendants, keyword his descendants, upon his house and his throne, which the Christ will be, uh, will be, uh, will claim, there shall be peace forever from the Lord. So this is prophetic message. So again, this is not only about personal interest of Solomon. This is has something to do with the redemptive history. So Joab got executed. The scripture seems to imply that Benaiah killed Joab right in the tabernacle. Uh, that's a, a difficult uh, passage, difficult to tell. It is also possible that Benaiah, he, he dragged um, Joab out of the tabernacle because of the law of Moses required uh, that to drag the criminal away from the altar and put him to death outside of the tabernacle. You can read about that in Exodus 21, verse 14. Let me briefly summarize. This story, through this story, the Holy Spirit is showing us not only the struggles of Solomon versus his enemies, but also the struggles between Christians and the world. You see, one day we will see the kingdom of God and all its glory, along with coming with Christ in the cloud, a kingdom will arrive. But in the meantime, while kingdom is being established, it is already established, but as it is coming to us, in the meantime, we have the struggle between godly qualities of the kingdom of God versus sinful qualities of the kingdom of this world. The one thing that we can learn, the application that we can have here, is that the struggle, the same struggle that Solomon had to face when he established his kingdom in Israel also is the same struggle that we have as we look forward to the kingdom of God. Just like Solomon draws strict line between his kingdom and Adonijah and Joab, the kingdom of God draws a line between his kingdom and sexual immorality and violence. This was confirmed by Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6-9. No murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
what does it look like to us? Well, as the messianic kingdom is coming, we to have the same struggles every day and we also have to act. Do you side with the right kingdom or do you side with wrong kingdom, namely sinful qualities of the kingdom of this world versus godly desires of the kingdom of righteousness. The only way to be safe and be exempted from the execution you may say eternal execution, is to submit to the kingdom of God, kingdom of Jesus Christ. Jesus said to, Jesus himself said that he would, he, he was the son of man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend all and those who practice lawlessness will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. But here's the gospel message. But those, to, those who submit to him, to his word, Jesus calls them the righteous. And he said, the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Jesus loves to show mercy to anyone who truly Repents. Abiathar was a good example. He was restored. Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate wise king, he will render righteous judgment, just as Solomon did, to everyone who insists on remaining as his enemies. And then look at what Joab did. He, he went to the tabernacle and grabbed the horn of the altar. Well, the only way to be safe is not just superficially grabbing the horn of the altar, just like Joab did, without true repentance. The only way to be, be safe is both grabbing the horn and also truly repent with your heart. <coughs> To hold on to Jesus Christ, your Savior, and also truly repent with your heart. That was the lesson that we can learn from Joab. This leads to the final point. Shimei, who desired money. So last person, Shimei. He first appears in 2 Samuel 16. He was a Benjamite. He was a man of the family of the house of Saul. There was enmity between house of Saul and house of David. When David fled from Absalom, Shimei cursed David, throwing stones at him. And Abishai, one of the David's mighty men, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Please let me go out and take off his head. And David said, Leave him alone. Later, when Absalom was defeated, when David was on the way to Jerusalem, when he was, cross, he was crossing Jordan, Shimei came with his men and welcomed David, asking for forgiveness. 
2 Samuel 19. This time again, Abishai, Abishai happened to be, his opinion happened to be right, who previously offered his service to chop off Shimei's head. He insisted this time to kill Shimei, but David once again graciously forgives Shimei. You see, Shimei saw everything through the lens of political struggles. For him, it was simply house of David versus house of Saul, because he belonged to house of Saul. Whereas David, he didn't really care about which house people belonged. What I mean by he didn't care is that, first of all, he loved Jonathan, Saul's son. He showed mercy to Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son. And he also uh, refused to kill Saul, the Lord's anointed. David showed his favor and blessed the men of Jabesh Gilead who buried Saul's body. In the eyes of Jesus Christ, there's no Jews or Greeks. In the eyes of David, there was no house of Saul and house of David, but for Shimei, it was not so. It seems like Shimei, although he asked David for forgiveness and David forgave him, it seems like Shimei didn't really repent from his sin. He still had a bitter feelings. We get the impression in chapter 2, verse 9. David knew something about that. And on his deathbed, he gives instruction to Solomon saying, For you are a wise man and know what you ought to do to him, but bring his gray hair, Shimei, down to the grave with blood. There must be good reason why David said that. Solomon so decided to put him under house arrest. Someone to Shimei said, Go to Jerusalem, build a house, dwell there, and do not go out from there any, uh, anywhere. If you do on the day that you cross the uh, brook Kidron, know for certain that you shall surely die. So why did Solomon do that, the house arrest? Well, Shimei is all about the political struggles. His interest was to gather the house of Saul to go against the house of David. This way, Solomon can keep his eyes on him, keeping him away from his power base with the tribe of Benjamin. Solomon had this wisdom that keep him away from the Benjamites. And Shimei, surprisingly, he agreed. The saying is good, which means, we can read between lines, that she had no complaints because he knew that his sins deserved capital punishment. Sins that he committed to David, and also there was probably something going on. And then Solomon was very wise. But that didn't last long. Three years later, his slaves ran away to Philistine, and Shimei rose and settled donkey and went after Slaves. He broke the promise of the king. He knew it was wrong. He did it anyway. Because he wanted to get his property back. And you might think, was this act sinful enough 
to put him to death? And the answer is, the answer is yes. Remember again? That Solomon was the Lord's anointed. And his dominion was the kingdom of God. The first crime was his refusal, refusal to put the kingdom first. And his own financial property was more important to him than obedience to the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, the main lesson that we can learn is this. Notice that the same theme was repeated at the beginning and at the end of our text. Verse 12, Solomon sat on the throne of his father David and the kingdom was firmly established. Later, verse 46, thus the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. The kingdom, of course, in the Old Testament was the kingdom of Solomon, but now... We don't have David, we don't have Solomon, we don't have, so to speak, Christian kingdom or messianic. There's no such earthly kingdom that represents messianic kingdom. Some people like to say that. It's something that we have to be very careful of. Some people believe that the United States is a Zion, is God's chosen nation, is the kingdom of God. Uh, believe it or not, there are some South Koreans believing that way too seems like it's somewhat universal. But I don't think it's right to understand that God's kingdom is limited to one nation. The true kingdom of God in the Old Testament was, of course, is through the line of David because the Messiah had to come through that line. But in the New Testament, the true kingdom of God is church. The church is where the citizens of God gathers and then Christ alone is the king. So this leads to the very simple logic that whoever submits to the king will prosper. Whoever doesn't will perish. His kingdom has no violence but peace. His kingdom has nothing to do with immorality. His kingdom deserves our first priority above, even above our material wealth. This leaves us with one question. What about you? Do you the kingdom of God first as your priority or do you have something else placed above the kingdom of God let the Holy Spirit come to our hearts and give us insight and understanding amen let us pray